We're kind of in this little mini-series. We're talking about uh, discovery. So last week we talked about discovering our gifts. How many of you guys took that gifts test? <laughs> Dude. How, how, how many of you guys were surprised by the, your results? Lindsay, I was not surprised, I want to tell you. I was not at all. I was like, man, I saw your number one, and I was like, 100%, I see it happen every time you stand up and speak. The Spirit of God has anointed you to preach the goodness of God in a way that pulls people into their future. That, and I was like, that's totally Lindsay. Um, so it's really funny. Uh, I want to share with you, are you guys interested in knowing what our top five in our church are? You want me to share that with you? Okay. I'm not texting. I'm reading. I'm not checking my... I'm not checking the gram. Okay, top five. Can you guess what the number one across the board, if you just took a cross-section of our entire church that took the test, I think there was like, we had a couple hundred people at least that took the test. That spiritual gifts test, if you go to our website or go to our app, you can click the button, you can take the test still. It's there, it's a free test. Uh, make sure to follow the directions. Uh, it's a free test, okay? Don't take the youth test. If you're an adult, take the adult test, okay? All right, what do you think the number one gift in our church is? Prophecy, number one. Landslide, by the way. There wasn't, there wasn't a gift near it. Isn't that crazy? So if you're like, what is prophecy? I'm here because I'm looking for something, but I don't know who God is, and I don't know what prophecy is. Prophecy, all it is, is that like it's this gifting that God gives you to see things in people like you see you see the gem in people and you brush past the dirt to see the gem and you, and you speak to the gem you don't speak to the soil that's surrounding cuz it's easy to speak to the soil it's easy to call people out on their dirt but it's harder to find the gold and the gem in the dirt so prophecy is the ability to see that to see in the future to be able to say this is what I see in you you may not see it today. It's out on the horizon. Does that make sense? Number two, giving and leadership was the number two, gifting. Number three, apostleship. If you guys want a definition of all these, take the test, and it actually has a breakdown of the definitions. I'll just say the apostleship, and it, it, it's, if prophecy says, there, there's the gold I see, there's the gem I see, there's what exists that you don't see yet, the apostleship, that gifting, says, what are we doing to bring structure and formation to see that thing happen? Does that make sense? So the prophet says, that's where we're going. The apostle says, stand up, let's go. Okay? Apostleship, number four, or number three. Number four, evangelism and serving. Okay? We actually had six because we had tithes. So the, those, were, those were the top six in our church, okay? Um, so I would highly recommend you take that spiritual gifts test. If you took that test, uh, we're, we're not done. I'm not going to go into detail on things today. I want you to take that test. I want you to hold tight with it because at the end of this, we're going to do something. Um, we're going to give you some options to step in and we can come alongside you. We're going to do some things that are going to be really cool uh, with you uh, on an individual basis if you choose to do so. Um, and you'll need that spiritual gifts test. It's going to be necessary. So uh, I, I would take it. Okay, today, last week we talked about discovering your gift. Today we're talking about discovering your passion. Discovering your passion. 
Now I want to tell you that today when we talk about discovering your passion, it's not going to be what you think. Okay? It's not going to be what you think. Let's read in the book of Acts, chapter 1, verse 1. The guy that wrote this book is a guy named Luke. And, he, and he's speaking to this guy, Theophilus. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. Verse 3, after his suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. That gift was the Holy Spirit, by the way. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with Holy Spirit. Okay, let's talk about passion. There you go. Whoop, replay. Someone's watching live. It's okay. You're like, that was so good. I'm going to watch it live right now on delay. I want to hear, hear Pastor say that again. She's like, I like his voice. He's cute. I want to hear him again. Can I get you a number? Uh, I'm kidding. Okay. Can we have joy? Can we, laugh? Can we laugh a little bit? Okay. It's okay. Lighten up, people. It's all good. Okay, let's talk about passion. In this, in this passage I just read you, in verse 3 it says, After his suffering, he showed himself to these men and he gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. After his suffering. In the King James Version, does anyone, else have, does anyone here have the King James Version? What does it say right there? After his what? After his passion. Ooh. So instead of passion in the King James, in the NIV, they said his suffering. Passion, when you look it up in the Bible, means suffering. Oh, we got a problem right now, Scooter. Passion, suffering. To which one suffers or has suffered? To be affected. To be affected. Now let's talk about in 2019 when we say what's your passion, let's talk about what we typically would look at that's, you know, dictionary online or whatever if you Google it. Most of the time we say what's your passion. If I say what's your passion, the first thing you think is what makes me feel good? What are you passionate about? Oh, I feel really good about fill in the blank. And that can be a person. That can be an activity. That can be about your job. That can be about making money. Like I feel passionate about making money. Money makes me feel good. I feel passionate. <laughs> We're not afraid of money. We can be passionate about things that aren't necessarily positive, though, right? We can be passionate about substances. But we, we can be passionate about doing some really destructive things. So when I looked up passion, the strong, this is important, strong and barely controllable emotion. Strong feeling of enthusiasm or excitement for something or about doing something. So I'm passionate. In my life, I'm passionate about things. I'm an intense, passionate person, by the way. Like, you're not going to get me to just like, Pat, stand still behind and like, 
Thus saith the Lord. Like, it ain't going to happen. Okay? We're going to preach. I need someone. To, can, can I tell you? I don't want someone on an organ behind me. What I really want, can you find me? I want a DJ. I want a DJ on the platform. And when I'm preaching, I want the DJ to drop the heaviest beat possible. Do we have DJ? Any DJ in the house? Dude, you were you were on it. I saw you in the back and I was like, this dude can do it. You are a band. You are a worshiper, aren't you? Yeah, man. You're called right now. Let's go. I want, wouldn't that be awesome? Like, you know, an organ, but I got like a deep. Anyway, sorry. You can you talk to me afterwards? I know. Are you visiting from somewhere? Where? First time here, okay. But you but you live locally? Oh, cool. Okay, the hook's in your mouth, bro. <laughs> All right. We're, we're gonna be passionate together. Okay. Dude, what was your name? Say that again. Chris, nice to meet you. I'm Pat. I'm talking to the dude in the back of the room. <laughs> I'm a passionate person. Within 30 seconds, my passion found a DJ. <laughs> ah, just kidding. Not really. Okay. So typically when we say my passion, we're talking about pleasure. This pleases me. Passion equals pleasure. Titus 3.3 says that one time, we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. All kinds. We were enslaved to them. So my passion, what, what, what is my passion? It's what makes me feel good. We have a problem, though, in our society with doing things that just make us feel good. In, in, in the la can, I, can I just say, in the last two weeks alone, we've seen the, the heavy devastation of us moving in a place in society that we're moving so much in this area of whatever makes you feel good is right. And it infringes, literally is infringing upon other people's lives. Romans 7, 5, for when we were in the realm of the flesh, the sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in us so that we bore the fruit of uh, the fruit for death. So sinful passions bore, they bear, they grow fruit for death. Sinful passions grow fruit for death. What that tells me is, is that there's passions that can grow fruit for life. Okay, so we need to get a hold of the passions that are going to grow fruit for life. It says, but now by dying, to what once bound us, we have been released from the law so that we serve in the new way of the Spirit. How do we serve in the new way of the Spirit? By having passions that are Spirit-filled and not sin-filled. By having passions that are Spirit-filled and that are bearing fruit that bring life instead of death. So sin-filled passions, let me say this, sin-filled passions move us towards serving ourselves. Spirit-filled passions are going to move us toward the service of other people. You want me to say that again? Okay, sin-filled passions are always going to move you toward serving yourself. 
spiritual passions move you toward the service of other people. Matthew 20, 28 says, Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life for the ransom of many. So what do we see here? We see Jesus showing up, serving other people. Why? Because he had a spirit-filled passion. So Jesus had a willingness. How do I say this? One of the definitions of passion is, is to be affected. Like, to ha- like it has an effect on you, the suffering. So Jesus had a willingness to be affected. He was willing to sacrifice. And it's in your sacrifice that you find the servant. If it, if it, if it, if it doesn't require a sacrifice, it's not serving. It's self-serving, but it's not serving. Are you with me? Some people will say like, well, Pastor Pat, I took spiritual gifts test and serving was on the very bottom. So I just don't have the gift of serving. I'm serious. I've had these conversations, man. And I'm like, do you follow Jesus? Because at the core, he came to serve and not be served. Might I add that the gifts that God has given you are actually, they're the lens that you see service through. You know what my top three gifts are? What do you think number one is? Prophecy. Number two, apostleship. Number three, leadership. Last week I said, it's not, it, it is not good enough for you just to find the right bus, but I want you in the right seat on the right bus. I think I saw that and I was like, huh, I think I'm on the right seat, on the right bus. That, those three are the lens that I serve through. Do you see what I'm saying? We're all called to service. So passions, I'm drawing all this down to this conclusion. Passions are your and my area of service. They're your platform. I, I, don't, I don't use the word stage. Why? Because stage creates this separation and says, I, I, I stand on a stage. You don't have a stage. I have a stage. I'm on the stage. You're down there. I'm up here. Does that make sense? The only reason I'm up here is so the people in the back can see me. What I would love to do is actually have more of like a stadium seating, right? I just want you to know that there's a practical reason why I'm standing on an elevated platform. You know, God has given you a platform that he wants to elevate you on. Your platform is being a parent. Your platform is being a DJ. Your platform, your platform is your workplace. Your platform is the 78 merging onto the 5 freeway, heading north on Saturday morning at 11.30 with the rest of San Diego County and half of Orange County. And that became my platform, right? To serve who? Other people. It was hard. I took an L for the team. I did it. So passions are area of service. Let me say this. So your passion, your area of service is where you are affected. And as you're affected, you can bring greater effect. Okay. Number one, let's set some ground rules. Number one, people over passion. People 
over passion. We have a value here. If you step into our church in any way, shape, or form, we have a value that says people over position. You can say, I'm really passionate about um, youth. I'm really passionate about worship. I'm really passionate about being in the streets. We go out into the streets and we're in the neighborhoods around here. I'm really passionate about doing these things. And you're passionate about those things, but your life is falling apart behind the scenes. Do you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to step aside. I'm going to say to you, I care more about you than the position that you're trying to fill so that you can feel passionate. The most passionate thing that I can do in your life is help you get some alignment in what's going on. I'm going to put you above a position. And what happens, we do the same thing with passions. I'm really passionate. I'm more, I'm so passionate about this thing. I will push past everybody just to get this. It's people over passion. So passions don't burden God's heart. People burden God's heart. John 3.16, for God so loved the world. That what? That he gave what? His only son. That whoever believes in him should have eternal life. What, what happened right there? God had a strong emotion. And he felt some way about it. He was kind of upset about what, what had happened in the separation between all of us, his kids, and him as a father. And he put us first. And he said, you, you above everything else. You, people, Jesus decided to take on. I'm going to put myself in a place of sacrifice where I'm affected. Where was Jesus affected the most? On the cross. I'm, I'm willing to be affected. That's why it says, after his passion but it's people. Number two, passion gets paid. Passion gets paid. And might I add, passion gets paid first? Pat, I want to know what the passions are in my life. Can I tell you that whatever those are, they're going to get paid first. Uh, if you talk to a, any business owners in the room that are sole proprietors and they start, you started a business. You started a business center around something that you probably were excited about. You had some enthusiasm about. You're a business owner. You're like, I'm excited about this area of the market. So I'm going to step in. I'm going to become a business owner. I'm going to start this thing. And what happens is in the first like year to three years of owning a business, you realize that your passion gets paid before you do. All You pay everyone else before you pay yourself. You're a business owner? No, but you, you know what I'm talking about. Okay. Any business owners in the room? Okay. Amen. That's what happens. So you're like, do you get paid? You're like, sometimes. Why? Because the passion gets paid first. Uh, your passion is a platform of service, and your platform of service comes at a cost. Um, this is the platform of service that God has called me to. It comes at a cost. Time, energy, money, personal attacks, attacks on my family, drive-by emails. Those are emails that like don't have anyone's name or return address. Those are fun. I'm like, you know my name. I want to know yours. You punch me in the throat. I want to serve myself and say, show your face because I want to know what throat I'm punching. Okay, there's a, 
Do you understand there's a cost? There's a cost to the place that God has called you and equipped you with your gifting to stand. There is a cost for you to actually step into those passions and on those platforms. It will cost you something. Your passions will require the greatest amount of patience before you ever see a payoff. Jesus died on the cross for you and for me. Scripture says, while we were yet still sinners. The cross got paid. You know, Jesus is sitting back. and He's going, wait for it. So really, there's a patience that Jesus has. I died on the cross while yet all of creation is yet still turned against me. I died on the cross first. The passion got paid. Now I'm going to be patient and I'm going to wait for the payoff. And the greatest payoff is my people. Turn to your neighbor and say, you are Jesus' passion. You don't, if, you, if you don't sit with a neighbor, you can just lay your hand on your forehead. This is what I tell my kids when I homeschool them. I'm like, you know, you got to high five yourself. That's what that, right there. That's not a clap over your head. That's a homeschool high five, man. High five. You always got a partner. Okay, let's talk real quickly. I think one of the things that we disconnect in is we tell our kids... We've preached to generations, for gener now two generations, that you need to pursue your passion. And if you pursue your passion, you'll never work a day in your life. How many of you were told that? Keep your wait. I want you to put your hand up. I just want to serve very quick. Okay, how many? Told, okay. How many of you have found that pursuing your passion isn't as easy as that statement seemed? You know why? Number one, it was a lie. I'm just going to say it the obvious. Number two, sometimes I think in the pain of pursuing our passion, God is actually growing our character before he promotes us onto bigger platforms of our passion. So I talk to a lot of people, younger generations, they get really frustrated because they're like, the world has told me, I have told the younger generations, older generations have, have, have said this, and have, I mean, there's articles about, it's like, it's crazy, like, pursue your passion, pursue your passion, and like, you'll never work another day in your life. So what happens is they get into corporate America, they get into a job, they start a business, and it's work, and you know what they do? This must not be my passion. Why do you say that? Because it's hard. It takes work. It's affecting me. And I want to say, but passion means it's going to affect you. That's your suffering. It's it just, it just, it just not fulfilling me. Your passion isn't about you. It's about serving others. Come on. You know what the best thing that I can do 
I mean, in my home, I have, I have every generation represented, literally. My seven daughters represent the lower, gen like, you know, we've got millennial, Gen Z, okay? The best thing I can do with them is to not say this to them and like boot them out the door and go, you got it wrong. It's to come alongside and say, let me walk with you as God is increasing your character. Because it's through suffering, we gain perseverance, and perseverance, we gain character, and character hope. So guess what? I'm going to speak right now to the younger generations. I apologize that you don't have hope for your future. If something that I have said has led you to believe that the passion that God has called you to is not going to require you to buckle down and work at it. I apologize. I also apologize that I don't step in more often and I haven't stepped in to greater degrees to walk with you and help you develop perseverance, character, and ultimately hope. And the younger generations have lost hope. And some of the things that they begin doing, it's because they're hopeless. And if you show me a hopeless person, I'll show you a person who has broken passion. Any young people in the room, can I get an amen? If you disagree, write me an anonymous email. Hey, Tom, you and I had a great conversation this week. I don't mean to put you on the spot, Tom. How old are you? Almost 74 years old. I sat with Tom at coffee, and you know what I realized? That this, that this man has such a strong understanding and such a strong heart to come alongside the younger generation to see them step into the calling, to step into the things that God has invited them into, to step into their passions. He has such a willingness. And it struck me because I realized that the older we get, our season shifts, we constantly need to be in a place of having a hand up and having a hand down. We've got to be offering a hand. We need to be led and we need to lead. Right, Tom? And it, I realize, I'm saying it is his passion. He's talking to me. He, he knows more about the younger generations. That, by the way, he's further away from than me. He knows more about them and and how they think and their hurts. And he's doing something about it. And I was like, "Wow, this is convicting." Right? He understands that it's going to cost him. I would venture to say Tom is willing to give everything, right? You're willing to give it all. You're willing to give everything God has ever given to you to see every young man and woman in this room step into what God has for them, aren't you? That was convicting for me. 46 years old. And I'm, I'm quite, I'm going, what am I doing? How am I stepping in? I'm thinking.
having an internal dialogue. Is that okay? It's in the pause that you'll find his presence. Number three, passions need partners. Passions need partners. I'm going to ask you a question. What if your passion was never about bringing you pleasure, but partnering with God for the ransom of many lives? Man, I wonder what I'm passionate about. And we're thinking like, because it's going to like, if I can find my passions, then I find, and you fill in the blank, the dream house, the dream car, the dream girl, the dream guy, the dream, the dream, the dream, to fulfill the desires that you have. But what if God never gave you what if your passions and your pleasures were never even meant for you? But they were meant to actually act as a partnership. What an amazing thing that we get to partner. We get to partner with Christ. We get to partner. We read in that. Jesus said, stay here and wait for the gift that I promised you. And, they, and then they were given the Holy Spirit. That we get to partner with Holy Spirit in this. That he's gifted us and we take those gifts and they open doors for us to step into platforms of our passions. And we develop patience and we endure long enough to where those things become skills and we become proficient at those things and our characters develop and those grow. But how many of you know that we have to, we have to be walking in line and step with the Spirit in these things? And we're partners with God in First thing Jesus did is his Acts 1 3 says, after his suffering or his passion, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days. And what did he do? Spoke about the kingdom of God. He so he's he's giving us this example of him partnering with the Father. He's partnering with the Father and he's he's saying, Hey, I went through all these things. My passion was for people because that's my father's passion. And I and I have I have the heart of the Father, and so I, I'm gonna be passionate about people, and it's gonna be for the service of other people. And the end result is he's partnering with him. So he comes back and what does he do? He starts talking to people about the kingdom of God. Let me ask you a question. Do your passions have you talking about God's kingdom or your kingdom? Do your passions lead you to, to start the sentence like about I, 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 you know, me, I, this is what I did. This is what I, 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 or is it like, let me give, I love, Lindsay walks up and he goes, let's take a deep breath and let's just give thanks. You know what that is? It sets the tone of my heart on my platform. It sets the tone of my heart and my passions to say, it is always going to be about partnering with God, partnering with the heart of the Father. This isn't for my pleasure, it's for Him. It's His name, it's not my name. He's worthy, I'm not. I went... Uh, I don't surf a ton anymore. I I was extremely passionate about surfing when I was a kid. Probably two or three years old, we started going to the beach. Grew up five blocks from the beach in Oceanside. And um, long and short of it is, it led me to this life of surfing, which I loved and I was very passionate about, but I will tell you that it was it was a very personal thing. It brought me pleasure. 
and it was a t- it was a tough time in my life. I was going through hard things. I experienced some some tough things as a youngster, and this was like my escape. It was for me. So if you ask me, hey Pat, uh, do you want to go surfing? I'd say no. Are you going surfing? Yes. I just don't want to go with you. No, I'm being honest. Okay, I promise you, I'll be I'll I'll be I'll be vulnerable with you guys. If you see yourself in this, you can just go ahead and jump on my train. But I was like, no, I just don't want to go with you. And it's not personal. I just don't want to be, I just don't want to go with anybody because this is personal to me. That, that, that surfing is for my pleasure. I was passionate. It was for my pleasure. And that led me to some, some places. I wanted to become a professional surfer. I ended up surfing at a really elite level and had a lot of great things happen in my life and went and worked in the action sports industry, worked for some great companies, blah, 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 blah. And eventually I kind of lost that passion. It kind of waned. And I got older and I'm 46 now and on uh, yesterday, uh, my my kids and I go down to the harbor in Oceanside, North Jetty, and I grew up surfing around there. And um, I pile a bunch of surfboards in the car, and I take I take my girls surfing. They, by the way, it was their idea, not mine, because I'm too self centered. So I said, I'm gonna suffer. I'm gonna I'm gonna make the sacrifice. So what happened? Well, number one, if you come anywhere near me in person today, what you're going to see is you're going to see a sunburn from here back because I wiped the sunscreen like that, and then I said, okay, let's go surfing. All my life been surfing. I should have known better. I forgot that that's where my hair used to start. <laughs> so I really need to like sunblock. I need to like put it on my face and my forehead, which goes all the way back. And my forehead starting to make itself known right here. And so my whole head is sunburned, man. So I was suffering for my children. Thank you. So don't laugh. If you walk up, you're going to be like, dang, dude, you're right, bro. I'm like, I'm pink. My kids remind me, daddy, you're pink. You need sunblock. So I go surfing and, and I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you what happened. The waves weren't that great, and typically that would kind of irritate me because it was all about me feeling good. But there was this moment I'm sitting out in the water, my 18-year-old daughter sitting there, my 14-year-old daughter sitting in the water, my 14-year-old daughter catches this wave, and she rides it for a while. My 18-year-old daughter is like, yeah, Emma, and like cheering her on, and I'm chatting with them, and it just hit me. This has been a passion my entire life, and it's been the most unfulfilling thing, which is why I quit doing it, because I never had the deep joy that I experienced yesterday. Your passion needs to be partnered with the heart of the Father. And I saw surfing in a completely different way yesterday. And I sat, and I watched my girls, and each one of them, even down to the four-year-old, Decided she wanted to try, right? So my goal with her is just don't, don't let her drown. I think there, there are people, you are sitting in this room and you have passions in your life that you're, you're already doing something and God wants to partner with you. They're, they just need a tweak. What's your heart behind it? Yesterday, I had, I just, for the first time in my life, I had this willingness to let go of all that. And I thought, this is, this is much better this way. 
you know the Father's way is always better than yours and my way? So much better. Number four, passions are yours, mine, and ours. Galatians, it says, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. God wants to actually give you a Spirit-filled passion and desire so that you can walk in step with the Spirit and you can see the fruit of those passions and desires. But this is what we see. God, this is the desire of my heart. Sometimes the desires of my heart are not in alignment with the desires of God's heart. So for instance, do you think it's in alignment with God's heart that there's a person who desires to harm young children? But they feel like it. Why is it not okay? Because society is all about how you feel, man. If it makes you feel good. You know what? It makes predators of children feel good. So what's wrong with it? Basing things on our feelings doesn't sound so good now, does it? It makes me feel good to be an adulterer. It makes me feel good to go into stores armed like I'm in the military and begin firing weapons at people who are innocent. All of a sudden, this whole idea socially that whatever feels good, it's all about the vibe, Gives me all the feels. No, it's not. It also shows you and I that it is entirely possible that there are desires in your heart that you may ask God for, that he may say, can't do it. And God is answering that prayer. And here's the answer. No. So this is so there's a scripture. Well, but but God, but the scripture says if I delight in the Lord, He'll give me the desires of my heart. You know what the word delight means? Delight means to be soft or pliable. This word soft or pliable, pliable, pliable means that I'm close enough. Uh, pliable is like clay in a potter's hands. I'm close enough to be formed and molded. I'm soft enough to be to be changed and transformed. So what happens, this is really what happens. As I delight in the Lord, my desires become less my desires. And the desires of the person who's bringing formation to me, I begin taking on their desires and passions. So that's why it says, delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. You know why? Because you're going to end up having the desires of his heart. So that's why they're yours, mine, and ours. Because his number one desire and passion is for what? People, his number one desire and passion is for what? Okay. So we need to be about having a heart to say, God, where's my area of service that I'm willing to be affected to see people changed and transformed? God changed and transformed me. I'm open. I have an open heart. Change, transform me. But now, based on my gifting and based on the things that you, you give me liking for, it is entirely possible, God, that I can have a tremendous impact and effect on lives around me that need Jesus. They don't need a prescription. They need a Savior.
first thing that we can do today is we can soften our hearts and ask God, how can we have the greatest effect on the platforms that you've given us? A couple things as we wrap up today. Uh, this is in the app. So as I read through these, if, if you don't want to take these notes, I have this kind of in the bonus features on the app uh, in my sermon notes. Keys to discovering your passions is very practical. Number one, connect with God and ask him what your passions are. God, what are my passions? That's the delighting in God. Delight in the Lord. Delight in the Lord first. Ask him, have you ever stopped and asked God, God, what am I excited about? I ask my kids sometimes, what, do you, what, what was exciting today? Nothing. Now you in school, friends? No. Or I'll say, walking out the door, what great thing are you going to do today? And they're like, I'm looking at my oldest in the back of the room. Sometimes she walks out the door and I look at her and I say, be, be humble and be a leader. Ask God. You know, deeper intimacy will give you greater understanding. Don't just ask him once. Spend time praying. Read this thing. You know what this is? Some of you don't. Read this. Number two, what are things that you enjoy doing already? What are things that you enjoy doing already? So I love, I love doing triathlons. I don't surf very much anymore because I decided I, I, like, I like trying to kill myself. It's suffering. <laughs> okay? How am I part? God was like, Pat, how are you partnering with me in triathlon? Is your name being recognized more than my name? Oh, gosh, that hurt. Okay, uh, number three, where do you spend your time, energy, and money? If you check your bank account and your calendar, it will begin to tell you what you're passionate about, and it will begin to tell you whether or not you're passionate about other people or yourself more than not. Okay? And if you say, Pat, I'm too busy for all this. This is, this is all like hogwash. My schedule's too busy. I can't find a passion to be a service to other people. What I would tell you gently and with, in my humble opinion is, you're filling your schedule with things that are self-pleasing, potentially unhealthy. And you can call yourself a believer. I can say I'm a believer in Jesus, but that's not a follower of Jesus. Okay, I'll leave that one there. Number four, what do you enjoy talking about or teaching others? Some of you get so excited to talk about that one thing. And you'll even like stop people and go, oh, let me teach you. Oh gosh, yeah, I'll take the opportunity. Man, if I get, you're probably passionate about that thing. Whatever it is. Uh, to find that out, ask the people around you. What am I freakishly excited about? And if they say nothing, then you have no hope. I'm not telling, I'm not prescribing to you, you have no hope. I'm saying hope doesn't live in you. Because hope is a byproduct of suffering that grows perseverance and patience, that grows character, that leads to hope. Why don't we stand? Some of you guys today feel stuck. When I ask this question, you're like, I don't even know where to begin. 
I haven't even taken the spiritual gifts test. Some of you guys feel stuck. So this is who I want to pray for in the room. As we wrap up, as, as I call these things out, if you feel comfortable doing so, you can come forward for prayer. We have a ministry team that's going to pray for you. Feel comfortable coming forward. Uh, number one, previous rejection. Some of you have stepped out in areas of passion, things you're excited in. You've tried to partner with God on, and you've been rejected. People have been harsh towards you, and they've hurt you. And you took that as like, I, this is not what I'm supposed to be doing. For some of us, uh, we have unmet expectations. We, we grew frustrated. Maybe you stepped out on some things and you've gotten frustrated. And you're afraid now to step out again. Frustration, the definition of frustration is unmet expectations. You had an expectation in your heart that you were going to do ABC and the result was going to be XYZ. And sometimes what God says is, no, I want you to do ABC and I want you to be patient on that platform for a while so I can grow your character because when I release XYZ to you, it's going to be greater than you even think. But I need your character to be strong enough. So Pat, it's not a no, it's a not now. Does that make sense? And some of you guys have been saying not now. Today, some of you are going to receive the permission from God that says, right now is the time. It is time. I was talking to you last week, Emma, about that. It is time, right? Okay. I'm going to stay on this with you, girl. Can I, can I speak to her for a second? It is time. God has given you permission. Not only permission, God has actually given you the relational uh, equity, the people around you, to help resource the things that he's put inside of your heart. Where is it that you want to go? Huh? Wherever he wants you to go. You know, God's already ordained and anointed the resource for every single step that he's going to call you into, young woman of God. I hope to see you next Sunday. I'm going to keep saying it. Right? Okay, come on. Are you with me this morning? Let's pray. God, I pray for a release of your permission to begin dreaming again today. You're like, yeah, I, I, I want to receive that today. You can just open your hands up. God, I pray for a release of your permission to start dreaming again today. It's not based on how perfect we are, what we bring to the table. It actually is based on how open our hearts are. So God, we come to you with open hearts, pliable, soft hearts. We're going to be, we're going to delight in you. We're going to have a, we're going to have an open heart towards you as you speak to us and you begin to give us the passions and the desires of your heart for us and for the people around us. Because it's always been about the people. It's never about the pleasure that I get when I do this thing. And by the way, the most fulfilling, most pleasurable thing I've ever felt in my life is when I'm working in this capacity. When I'm, when I'm literally going after the heart of God and going after what is he sees in people and it's about people, I feel the most fulfilled. I can do the same thing with a different heart and I don't feel as fulfilled. It feels empty. Have you ever stood in a place that you thought, if I just achieve this and when I achieve this, God, it's going to be everything. And the moment comes and you stand on that platform and you say, I've achieved it and it's the most empty feeling in the world because you're alone. So God, today we partner with you. We thank you with gratitude, with gratitude on our lips and in our mouth.
If you need prayer this morning for any of those things, do not, I really mean this, do not leave here without getting prayer. Don't do it. God wants to bring, this morning, wants to bring some, uh, some knowledge and deeper understanding to you. In Jesus' powerful name, everyone said, Amen and Amen.